In an instant, your world is turned upside down. One moment, everything is going as planned, and the next, you can't help but think something is just not right. Stranded on the side of an isolated road, you put out a call for help. For another, it's when you see someone clutch their chest with a look of panic. For those a world away, they can call for help from surrounding nations and distant lands to try and stop the terror. But what do you make of it when you call to God for help and all we feel is silence and alone? Today we discover that all is not as it seems. Let me pray. Jesus, as we spend some time opening your word, you are the word. Holy Spirit, as we breathe your breath into our lungs, would you speak to us, would you quicken in us, would you awaken in us a greater understanding of who you are, what you mean to us, and how much you love us. Jesus, we commit this time to you and ask that you would do a good work in it. Amen. Now, I'm no chicken little, but there seems to be a lot more cries of help going out at the moment than what there has been in a lot of my lifetime. We see it in the floods that are stretching from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland to southern New South Wales. We see it still with the implications of two years on, the struggle of COVID and and us trying to put the pieces of the puzzle back together again and the impact still being felt. We've had the, the tsunami in Tonga and the New South Wales Victorian bushfires in the summer of 2019 and 2020 and then bushfires in Western Australia as well. And most recently, we've seen the crisis in Ukraine and the impact spreading across the world. But then there's been the individual, the personal cries for help that only you know. That cry at night, God help me, as we struggle to make it through. A few thousand years ago, in a small village, a couple of kilometres east of Jerusalem, a cry went out to Jesus for help. And yet it seemed as though it was met with divine silence as sisters cried themselves to sleep as they said goodbye to their brother. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn to John chapter 11. Now, if we were to set up the Gospel of John onto like a seesaw or a teeter-totter for those listening in North America, then chapters 11 and 12 are the tipping point of this Gospel. Building up to this point, we find Jesus repeatedly revealing himself as the fulfilment of God's promised Messiah. And with each occasion, people are faced with the choice of what they're going to do with this information. Are they going to believe or reject Jesus? 
And with the development of chapters 2 through to 10, we also see growing negative reactions towards Jesus as it builds momentum. Harassment in chapter 5, accused of fraud and rumours and a desire to kill Jesus. In chapter 7, an attempt to arrest um, and stone him in chapter 8. And in chapter 10, several days before chapter 11 that we delve into today, there's another attempt to arrest and stone Jesus. And each time that this happens, there's a growing opposition and a growing um, level of overt and aggressiveness towards Jesus. And as we discovered with Tony last week, it was the middle of winter in the December of maybe around 30 AD, give or take a year, that Jesus was in Jerusalem for the festival of dedication that would go on for eight days. Several times a year, Jerusalem would swell with the number of devout Jews and Jewish converts from the surrounding regions and the other countries, and they would come to Jerusalem for worship. Then people would spill out of Jerusalem to the villages around Jerusalem to stay overnight whilst they attended the festivals, making the walk back to Jerusalem each day. And it seems that over the years, Bethany and the family of Martha, Mary and Lazarus became, uh, and their various homes seemed to have taken on a home away for home for Jesus. They took Jesus into their family and a strong bond of love developed over the years. And so, after the most intense threat to Jesus' life to date in chapter 10, Jesus leaves his southern home base in Bethany. He also leaves the company of Mary, Martha and Lazarus to return to where his ministry time started. Jesus went beyond the Jordan River, near the place where John was first baptising and stayed there a while. It was well known, this road that Jesus travelled, Many used the same road travelling to and from Jerusalem. They would go through Bethany on their way to, um, to Jericho and then head north towards Galilee and through that avoid the region of Samaria. The road between Jericho and Jerusalem was the scene where Jesus' famous story of the Good Samaritan was set. Whatever struck Lazarus was down was sudden And it was serious. Lazarus was sick, really sick. So his sisters agree that despite the risks to Jesus' life, they needed to get word to Jesus about Lazarus. They send a messenger to make the 40-kilometre trip down to the Jordan River and across the region's border from Judea to Perea, to where Jesus was trying to lay low to wait for the right time to return. With a tap on the shoulder comes word to Jesus, a messenger from Martha and Mary. Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now this is more than just conveying some form of information. There was an implied plea in it. Jesus, come home. Come home quickly. We need you. 
But when Jesus heard it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory for this. So although he loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected, Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? It's like, Jesus, do you have a death wish? Jesus responds with echoes of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication, the festival of light, and the contrast with the winter's darkness. Light and darkness, safety and danger, doing God's will in the face of opposition and the importance of walking in the true light are all played out in those verses. And then in verse 11, Jesus declares, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought that Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant that Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let us go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at the outskirts of Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Sometime between the messenger leaving Bethany and the time that he arrived with a message to Jesus, Lazarus had already died and was buried that same day. Bethany's proximity to Jerusalem and Mary and Martha and Lazarus's connection to friends and family meant that there was a, a flood of people and an outpouring of emotion on display. Imagine the sounds, people wailing, beating their chests, and even the sound of a flute, a flute player playing their lament. The seven-day period of mourning was only just over halfway through. You see, there was a belief that the, the, that the soul longs to return to the grave, thinking that it will return to the body. And however, when it sees the colour of the face change, then it goes away and leaves it. And that was on the third day that that belief was to happen. And so on the third day, with the weight of the grief bearing firmly down on the family, Lazarus wasn't coming back. Their grief was so much stronger. Word quickly made back to Martha and Mary that Jesus and his disciples had arrived and Martha went out to meet Jesus. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. 
Yes, Martha said. He will rise when everyone rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Reassured by Jesus, Martha returns to Mary. Calling Mary aside from the crowd, Martha attempts to allow Mary that, uh, the opportunity to speak with Jesus without the mourners all gathering and watching on. The teacher is here and he wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha had met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed that she was going to the Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, the, the man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry when he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead four days. The smell will be terrible. Quite literally, she says, he will stink. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. For us today, there are times when we cry out to God for help. And Mary and I know from personal experience, there are times where God does not answer us as we desperately long for. Maybe you've questioned God. Maybe you've questioned Jesus, where are you when I needed you? If only you had been there. If you've ever struggled with questions like these, 
then know that you are not alone. Because Martha and Mary also struggled with this. The call for Jesus to come into a desperate situation, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Imagine what it must have um, been like sending the messenger away, hoping that it would reach Jesus in time, in time for him to intervene and make what is wrong right. But instead, perhaps even before the messenger gets to Jesus, Lazarus dies and with it all hope. Well-meaning comfort seems hollow as day melts into the next and all you feel is numb. And then the questions come. Jesus, where were you when I needed you? When I needed you to come through for me, for us, for this situation, why didn't you stop this from happening? If you, like me, have ever asked questions such as these, then John 11 tells us that we are not alone. So what can we discover to help us and comfort us? This account in John's Gospel reminds me that Jesus is aware of what the timing means for us. But that does not necessarily mean that he is bound by our timing. I've heard it said that God allows in his wisdom what he can easily prevent in his power. And just because Jesus does not move according to our timing and in our way towards our hope, it doesn't mean that he doesn't care. John 11 reassures us of this. In verses 5 and 6, So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And then skipping down to verse 33, When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Jesus sees as is impacted by Martha and Mary's deep sense of grief and loss. Jesus is incensed by the impact of death and the heartbreak that it brings. Jesus was there at the beginning, at the beginning of all time when the world was created through the word and breathing life into perfect creation and pure harmony existed between creation and the Creator. And there we find in front of the tomb, Jesus is angered by the depth of loss from what life was meant to be like. And he is moved by those he loves and impacted by their grief. Jesus cares. He cares deeply about the loss that we feel, about the cry of our heart. Where are you, Jesus? If only you had been here. 
Jesus is angry because he knows that from the beginning of time. This was never the way it was meant to be. And sin and the brokenness of all creation steals that away from us. Jesus shows his emotion at our pain. And Jesus wept. Just because Jesus doesn't act the way we expect doesn't mean he doesn't care. It means doesn't mean that he doesn't love. And when Jesus doesn't come through, Martha and Mary have a challenge for us today. You see, we can easily fall into the trap of a conditional relationship with God. God, I will follow you. I will follow you wherever you want me to go. I will, I will do whatever you want me to do when you deliver on my prayers. But here, we see an amazing commitment to Jesus. In verse 21, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even in that, Martha is resolved in verse 27, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. For Mary, her body language does the talking. When it's um, contrast with her words in verse 32, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But her posture shows her devotion to Jesus. In the midst of her pain, she falls at Jesus' feet in honour, in worship. They did not believe that they would see Lazarus again, this side of eternity. But Jesus is also going to do something about that. Lazarus! Come out, shouted Jesus. And immediately, bloating is reversed. Putrefaction, rigor mortis, decomposition, and autrolopus. All curing and restoring Lazarus. And whatever killed him was also taken away as well. But I wonder, who had the faith for that? Was it Lazarus? He was dead. Was it the disciples? I don't think so. Mary and Martha? No. They wanted to keep the tomb sealed up. Sure, faith helps. But if it was up to our faith, then where is Jesus in that? I wish it were not so. But for many of us, we will wrestle at times when we will feel abandoned by God. And if only you had been there, the question will come to your mind. But in those times, may we be like Martha and Mary. And rather than running from Jesus, may we run to Jesus, and in doing so, may we experience the depth of love that Jesus has for us.
And may we know that Jesus is indeed the Son of God who has come into our world. Let me pray. Jesus, I know that for so many of us, there are times that we have struggled and we have cried out to you, where were you? Where were you when we needed you? Forgive us for the times when that cry can also challenge our perceptions of your love for us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are the resurrection and the life and that you went to the cross to die for us, to restore the relationship that was broken between Creator and creation. Thank you that we, through you, can have a restored relationship and that we can have life eternal with you. Thank you that through your death and resurrection you make the wrong right again. And you did this out of love for us. Thank you. Amen. So how might we respond today? How might we respond to the things that God is saying to us today? Well, there's a couple of questions on the screen for you. What areas in, um, do you need help in that you are calling on Jesus to intervene? Are there areas in your life that you are calling on Jesus to intervene, to break through in your life? What might those be? How does this account of Mary and Martha challenge or encourage you? Have you found yourself running from God? Or do you find yourself running to God in those situations? And lastly, how might you respond to Jesus' deep love for you? I encourage you to take those response cards um, or to use the chat function or the text message that's shown on the screen. And as the music's played, may you know that God is with you right now. God bless you.